attractions to the same sex, unprocessed childhood trauma, porn addiction. Our marriage seemed doomed. If marriage is primarily about attraction, it was. If marriage is a gospel picture, it absolutely wasn't. An impossible marriage, what our mixed orientation marriage has taught us about love in the gospel, a book endorsed by Matt and Lauren Chandler, Ann Voskamp, Gabe Lyons, and Marvin Williams is now available for pre-order. Find it at impossiblemarriage.com. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 140, Bridging Divides. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I am with my favorite licensed therapist, Jesus Like Carpenter, because he does carpentry work. That's why I say that, by the way. And Argyle Expert, because he wears Argyle. And my husband, because he is my <laughs> Matt Krieg. Okay. Hello. <laughs> I am also with the most professional radio voice among us, because he is that too, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. Hey, guys. We have in studio, which is always such a treat, some of our actual friend friends who are here to talk about bridging divides, reaching through barriers, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there are lines drawn in the sand everywhere right now. Approaches to COVID, politics, racial equity, and we wanted to bring our dear friends in who you guys maybe heard them episode 119. They're part of our small group. But these dear friends are here to unpack how they have bridged divides in their life, marriage, and place of work. Jason and Julie, welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to have you. If you guys do not know my dear friends, Jason and Julie Botbile, they have been married for 15 years and are committed followers of Jesus. I can attest to that in their real life as we know them, but they have three adult children, one granddaughter and a pit bull named Leo, who we hear. I don't even know if Leo is real. I don't know if I've actually seen Leo. You I've just he's, heard he's, him. He's always in the cage when you guys come. <laughs> Lock him up. Oh, but I know he's a tender heart, isn't he? Yes. But Jason works for Forgotten Man Ministries as the head chaplain at the Kent County Jail. So that is in town here uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He also serves as a guest preacher speaker at men's events, churches, and youth groups. And Julie works at a health insurance company as a business systems analyst. They enjoy the outdoors, swimming in Lake Michigan, reading and spending time with their families. And they serve together as marriage mentors and host small group marriage retreats, which we've been on. And it was very enriching. Uh, and they love to share the gospel and watch it transform the lives of people around them. Man, you guys sound like deep people and fun people. <laughs> but let's just hang out in the fun for a hot second. I know you guys like to cook. And so our question of the week from last week, which audience, sometimes I just straight up forget to ask you. This week, I didn't forget to ask you. I just thought that this might be a conversation with the four of us in a room that could just take a little longer. So audience, we're sorry, listeners, we didn't get your answers, but we are going to get Jason and Julie's the answer to this question of the week, which is, what is a recipe that you love? Because it reminds you of someone you love, but you don't like, maybe you don't even like the recipe, but it's like, I like this. I'm going to make it anyway. Julie's got an answer. Mm -hmm. I do. Okay, go for it. Abel Skeever's. What are the words you just said? <laughs> or really, they're pronounced obelskevers. Is that like a Norwegian? It's a Danish, oh. Danish little like dumpling with apples in the middle. And my great grandma handed down a recipe to my grandma who handed it to my mom. And now I have it. Oh. So I try to make it a tradition and make them on, what did I make them on Christmas Day this year? Love it. They're delicious. Hmm. <gasps> I foresee something mm -hmm. during a small group yeah, they're sometime. Good. <laughs> so you like it. It's a sweet recipe. So it's sweet, not like yeah. you just tolerate it. Okay. Right. And it takes a special pan to cook them in. They're really special. Love it. All right, Jason, favorite recipe to make? Because you just love the memory of it, but maybe you're like, actually, I don't even like this. JB Tacos. JB. It sounds like Jason bought by Tacos. <laughs> JB Tacos. I've been making them since high school. <laughs> what are they? They're just... Um, just goodness. They were way before my Jesus days. Yeah. It was the perfect thing for late night of partying, and yep. they sucked up all the alcohol and <laughs> made you feel good. Are JB they tacos. Ground beef, chicken? Ground beef. Oh, okay. Ground yeah. beef, yeah. 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 Love but it. But it's a special way I make the shells, and I, I just, you know, I can't give away the whole recipe, but 
They're amazing. <laughs> Some secret amazing. ingredients in there. They are I'm amazing. telling you. Oh, people man. beg me to make them. They do. Well, here's another pitch for a small group night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I would love to try them. Matt Creek. Am I okay? I'm going next. I I actually did come up with something that was uh, a fond memory, but not very tasty. And it's actually the cake that my grandma used to make all the time, which was like plain box yellow cake, plain chocolate frosting with bananas, sliced bananas between the two layers. You made that recently. I did, and I was like disappointed that I was disappointed in it. Because I wanted it to be amazing because I remember my grandma and it was amazing from her. But Lori, you spoiled me with good cake, so I don't <laughs> even know that I can <laughs> Sorry. I can not tolerate box cake anymore. I legit just said it was super gross. Sorry. Love you, Grandma. Uh, and I, I, I still love my grandma. Yes. Oh. But the cake was gross. And maybe it was just because I made it. And who knows? No, you're a good baker and cook. Steve? Uh, well, I'm going to have to go with uh, my mom's potato salad, um, and it's really good oh. to me. But I'm somebody who likes like hard boiled egg and straight up mayonnaise bacon and Spoonful probably mayonnaise. mayonnaise. I don't know. <laughs> Here's the thing: I don't cook, so um, the recipe transferred from my mom to my wife. Oh. She makes it, and pretty much when she makes a big batch of my mom's potato salad, I'm the one who ends up eating it all because I don't think it's a real popular choice for the rest of my family, but I really like it. Mm. I'm salivating thinking about it. I hear it. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting weird. <laughs> uh, reci- some cotton balls. Yes. <laughs> Slurp. A recipe that I make that I don't actually like is almost anything with meat in it. I am like a... I don't know, a junior hire that's like, what do I do with pink chicken? How do I make it not pink? That was me after graduating college because I left our house because I have five older sisters. I avoided making food forever. And then I was out on my own and I was like, I don't know how to fix this pink chicken. I could figure it out. I'm not stupid. But Matt loves chicken parmesan so mm. i have to tell myself just do this for matt you love matt this is good it's it's meeting a core need in his heart of nurture and love <laughs> and being seen so i do that but i don't like it mm-hmm. it's not my favorite yeah well if if you need help i did just see that alton brown released a oh, uh, chicken parm recipe that that would probably make you even like it Alton Brown is also someone I watch because I love Matt. He is the Food Network nerd. And so is Matt. Okay, Jason and Julie, let's dive into the heart of it. The reason we do this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. So we ask every guest this set of questions. And we got two guests. So the question is, if the gospel is I'm more loved than I imagine, yet more sinful than I believe, when was that gospel first good news for you, and how is it still today? Julie, you want to rock out first? Sure, I'll rock out. Hmm. Okay, so about 20 years ago, I was in a really dark place in my life. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and on a really slippery slope, and I like to say I was at the end of myself. That's probably the best way to put it. I was at the end of myself, and... Um, long story short, I made my way to church. There was an usher lady there and she prayed with me after I tried to leave the service that night. She chased me down and prayed with me and told me about Jesus, told me about the gospel. And I believed her and I prayed a prayer with her and I, my life was transformed after that. So why'd you go to church? I was desperate, uh, probably suicidal. I felt like I was at the end of my life, uh, just in a really dark place, hopeless, desperate, Mm. crazy. And God met you there. God met me there and literally changed my life. Not overnight. There was a lot of things to walk through, but, you know, I definitely had peace from then on. I was delivered from drug addiction pretty much that night. I never did drugs again after that. Wow. I did drink for a while, but yeah, it was, I had hope, I had peace, I had joy, like I, that I never had before. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. It is. Uh, and she tells that so matter of fact, but yeah. 
God delivered her from a crack addiction mm-hmm. That's great. in that moment where mm-hmm. she met Jesus and just, I, I can't even believe some of the, the situations and stories she shares with me. So I'm like, there's no way that is. Yeah, it, well, I think one of the most beautiful things about that story is that it wasn't through a preacher. It wasn't an altar call. It was an usher lady watching me from the back of the room, mm-hmm. kept her eye on me and was bold about sharing her faith and literally chasing me down. Mm. So I and prayed with me that. in the hallway of that church. And she still meets with this mm-hmm. lady. I love it. Yeah, you guys awesome. listening already are, yep. I'm sure, blessed because for me, that just tells me we need to stop being so scared. People yeah. are so desperate for Jesus and they may look like, I don't know how you looked back then. Um, but, Horrible. Okay. But <laughs> it didn't, <laughs> I'll just go say, okay. It's, it didn't scare her. It just, mm-hmm. she listened to the spirit and leaned in. Mm-hmm. Julie, how do you still need the good news of the gospel today? I need it every day. Um, the only way I can explain it is that I deserve hell, but that's not what I get. I get mm. forgiveness. I get Jesus and I get a fresh start every day. Mm. I love it. And she lives what she's saying. Julie, you're so full of joy mm. and hope and peace. And every time you Thank share you. your story, I'm always like, no way that's who you were. No mm. stinking way. Thank you. Jason. You had some rough stuff as well in your past. And so how, how is that gospel? When was it first good news for you? Probably, I I believe I was around 19 years old and, um, a lot of the same stuff that was happening in Julia's life was in mine as well. And, um, I had gotten to a point where I just decided that I was going to take my life. And during that time, there was a neighbor that used to come across the street to my house and invite me to church. And this was at the time where most of my neighbors were calling the police on me and, you know, because I lived in a big party house. Mm. And she would invite me to church every once in a while. And I had gotten to a place like Julie that was dark. I was desperate. And um, I had planned out how I was going to take my life. Um, I planned I was going to go to a little neighborhood store called Plums in Muskegon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to buy these uh, generic sleeping pills. I was going to take the pills, go down in my basement room and just go to sleep. I gave my mom a hug goodbye. I gave my sister a hug goodbye. They didn't know I was saying goodbye. And we're not a very affectionate family. So they looked at me kind of weird. Why is he hugging me? And I went to the store. I bought the pills. And on the way home, Something told me to go to that lady's house. Mm. And um, I went to her house, knocked on the door, and, you know, I'm kind of teary. I told her, I'm, I'm thinking about taking my life. I really don't want to do it. Something told me to come here. And she invited me in and shared the, the, the gospel to me. Mm. And um, that was the day my, my life changed. It's insane. Okay, again, second time. Guys, if the Holy Spirit has been prompting you, go talk to that person. Not just, I oh, I chicken out so much. Mm-hmm. I chicken out more than I, I wish, like, I, than I speak up. But I just love that, that persistence, that neighborly love when people are calling the cops on you, but her just persistent reaching out and loving you. And that was the Holy Spirit. Of yeah. course, you know that. Yeah. And again, guys, Jason is one of the, kindest, most joyful. I wanted to say happy, but joyful people I know. And again, I'm like, how, like, it's, I look at you guys and like, I can't even (laughs) mash your pasts with your present. Wow. What do you think about that, Matt? Well, I mean, I've, I've heard Jason's story quite, quite a bit. And, and I guess for, for the first time as I'm hearing it now, I'm like, man, you were 19. Mm -hmm. That is an age when most people would look at you and say, man, you want absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. You are probably out partying, living your life like without a care in the world. Yet that was at a place where you were at your most desperate, Mm -hmm. you know, and because this lady over the course of time had put in just that bug in your ear of like, hey, you want to come to church? You want to come to church? You want to come to church? Yeah. You know, that, that, you know, was the avenue that God used and his prompting for you to, to like get a hold of you, to have you meet with him, you know, and I've, I've heard a little bit more about your, well, before we get to that, like the, the present tense, you know, how is the gospel still good news for you? 
oh, because I'm so deeply loved when I don't deserve to be. And um, I, I think marriage is just a, a, a beautiful display of that because it's, it's the only way in human form that I get to experience the love of Christ because Julie knows me. She's like the only person that really knows me and she still loves me mm-hmm. and likes me. And that is just, that's just a demonstration of what Christ does for us. It's just the gospel played out in real life and it's amazing. Mm. Yeah. So not everyone knows you. No. You know, Julie knows quite a bit about you. Still likes you. Um, loves me. <laughs> dearly. Still likes and loves you. <laughs> what, when, when you were growing up, you know, and, and not everyone knows what it was like to be you growing up in Muskegon, what were, what were some of the barriers? What were some of the things that you had to overcome in order to become, quote unquote, successful? successful um or maybe just like fruitful like who you are today like what like you just told us well one 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 was just value like we were doing and we're talking about this today knowing my value in christ um i grew up in the first part of my life from elementary school on up was predominantly white area and then around sixth grade or so our house burnt down and we had to move to the hood so the first half was um, I was kind of this stranger in a land where I I've constantly was told I wasn't good enough something was wrong with me mm. I was this word I was that word and so I was always I had this kind of inferiority type complex thing because you were black in a white neighborhood? Yeah. Okay. So people would say it outright and Oh yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and my mother was an in lover and you know, I was all this and that and so I heard that all the time. So that was my main barrier. And that is something that still trips me up to today. I'm sure. Yeah. So when you moved to the the hood as you said, like so okay so your house burns down yeah where you're so a barrier was this like inferiority not even i don't want to say complex because that makes it seem like it's on you it's like literally people telling you you're inferior yeah so that's a barrier was it like was there poverty was there where were your parents like what was that situation my dad really wasn't involved in our our life he was very abusive so um, he'd be around for a while, beat my mother, get restraining orders. So we really didn't want him around. Yeah. My mother was a really bad alcoholic. And so she really wasn't around too much. She mm. had problems with, uh, she had pancreatitis. So when she drank, she'd have these really bad episodes with her health. And she was in the hospital a lot. So my sister, I have an older brother and a younger sister. We would just kind of took care of our, ourselves. Mm. So when I mentioned that when that house burned down, uh, I was just kind of like homeless for a little bit, just stayed with different friends and stuff. My sister went and lived with my grandmother, um, but I was just kind of out there for a minute. So it's like orphaned, basically, and homeless at some points. And then this house burns down and abuse and like there's a lot. And the point, the reason I'm bringing this up yeah. is to say we're talking today about bridging divides. We're okay. talking about building barriers. So there's a lot of negative stacked up and then God breaks through. But I want to, I want people to hear how, even though there's these negatives, these painful places, Jason, which thank you so much for sharing it. And then Julie, we're going to jump to you next. These, these negatives again, that God can make beauty from ashes, how you guys, when you got married, it's not like, and magic and it's all better. I want to hear people. We'll, we'll get there, how we can bridge those divides because we're looking, like I said, the nation's divided if you guys live in the States and our world is so divided. So just for people to hear a zoomed in microcosm of differentiation coming together through the power of Jesus Christ, we need this story. Mm-hmm. So anything else that you want to throw out there? All right, Julie, I'd love to hear what were some of that, those pain places, those negatives for lack of a better term to, I guess, instead of success flourishing. Yeah. I think, I created barriers. The, the barriers I had were the ones I created through all the bad decisions that I made. Just the drug addiction and the alcoholism and being with the wrong people and exposing my kids to all kinds of junk that they didn't need to see. 
And so you're single mom, single mom of how many kids? Two of two kids. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 So I think those were the barriers growing up. I had a pretty solid family. Um, My parents did divorce when I was about 16, but I don't really look at that as a barrier. I think the the main barriers for my flourishing were just the bad choices I made. Mm. Did you, like, in looking back, were you, you know, everyone, God-shaped hole in their heart, were you looking Mm -hmm. for Jesus in these bad decisions? Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, I was possessed by a demon and made all these terrible, you know. Yeah, I don't think I was looking for Jesus, but I was looking for something to fill that hole, for sure. Yeah. It was a giant chasm. Mm -hmm. Can you relate to that, Jason? I see you nodding, like, that hole in your heart. Like, did you feel that? I don't describe it as a hole in my heart or a pain or I was just lost. Mm. Like I didn't really know how lost I was until I actually got saved and realized what I'm supposed to be. Mm. Then I look back, I realized, man, I was way off track because that was just normal living to me. Mm -hmm. You know what I was seeing? Like my story was that wouldn't be surprising to people I was hanging out with. Everyone had was was jacked up. I mean, we just did what we did. It was normal to us. Mm. Okay. We're going to go there in a second, how you guys came together. But Jason, I need a little preaching for a hot second. Yeah. <laughs> You're a preacher. Awesome. Let's do it. Why, before we talk into the how you guys bridged these barriers between yeah. you, why should we pursue this? It's like easy right now in 2020, October of 2020 for us to just dig our heels in and just be like, I just don't even care about you. Like, I'm just going to stay on my side. Why do I need to bridge a divide to that person who believes this or is doing that? Why do we need to reach out to others? To reach out to others. Yeah. Why do we need who to do that? Who disagree with us. Yeah. I, different. I think it's exciting to talk to people that are different from me. I think that reaching out to other people, embracing other people, hearing different perspectives gives you a a richer and fuller lens in which to to view life. So I don't like for when it's just all of us look alike, talk alike, sound alike, sing alike. Mm. I like the different tones. I like the different sounds. I just think it it creates a richer uh, experience. Mm-hmm. So I think to live life fully, especially in Christ, there needs to be this vibrant, diverse atmosphere, which I think people are really wanting mm. right now. Mm. I think that's one of the things when you get in kind of these churchy environments, it's very, it's just kind of stale and everything looks the same and We've heard this and, and heard that before. And so I think it's, a, it, it's, it, it, it's an exciting time right now to experience something new. And I think that's going to be by breaking some of these barriers, by holding hands with some people that you probably wouldn't hold hands with before hmm. and letting God show up and all of that. I love how you twist, not twist, but you flip it from the negative, like, because I think that's how culture is speaking so much about these differences is like, "Ah, do it. But you're like, you guys, look at this opportunity we get. That's Jason. It is Is totally Jason. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. It can drive you nuts, though. Oh, dear. Because you just want somebody to, you know. Just be mad. Cry with you. Yeah, yeah. I'll be be sad with you. Don't you worry. Okay. (laughs) So to get to get back to kind of your guys' story, how how and when did you guys meet? What were the what were the things that you saw in one another that was attractive to you guys when this whole this whole coming together started? Yeah, his muscles for sure, <laughs> but also uh, he's <laughs> he never said that cut. before. Also, just his story. You know, I I loved his story. We met over. I don't know, in a parking lot during a ministry event. And uh, then we met again later and got to share our stories. So that's what really attracted me to him was his love for Jesus and where he came from and where he was when I met him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was the the same. I mean, I seen her. She was beautiful, blonde hair. She had her little cutoff sleeve shirts and her <laughs> amazing legs. I mean, she was beautiful. <laughs> But when we started talking, she started telling me her testimony. 
she started sharing her testimony and I was actually involved in a high school youth group at the Potter's house. I was like, you got to come share your testimony with this group. And she did that. And from there we just struck up this like partnership at first. I think it was dating. She says it wasn't dating. I think, well, I think it was, she's shaking her head right now, but I think it was, (laughs) but it was just, yeah, her passion for Christ and wanting to make him known. That's why I get so frustrated when people don't want to make him known. Mm. When everything is kind of t- tight to the chest and we're not inviting people in. I mean, imagine if that if that um, usher didn't invite her to come back into the service. She left the service. The usher went out and grabbed her. Imagine if the neighbor across the street said, no, I don't want to go invite this this jacked up fool knucklehead guy <laughs> over to my church she had a nice life of her own but it it's constantly reaching out the gospel is constantly wanting to reach mm-hmm. out it cannot be contained Amen. it's constantly wanting to go out it's constantly wanting to grow and flourish and so i don't know julie had that all over her that's mm. she wanted to share her story she wanted to experience god in its fullest and that was just so attractive to me i love that it's so what we talk about here when we talk about marriage is what's the purpose of marriage is this gospel focus it's this flourishing focus which sometimes we can translate that flourishing and fruitfulness into make babies which that's not not part of it but it's (laughs) it's all it's this kingdom building why do we have kids they Mm -hmm. add into this kingdom building thing so i so love it but guys we talked about these barriers that you grew up with did you guys just get married you get on mission you see her with her cut off sleeves and his muscles and then y'all are great what what was some barriers we had some big barriers the one was so when i told uh so i had mentors at the time still do and I went to them and said I'm thinking about you know they had met Julie and knew her and before I started talking about the marriage pieces thinking about you know marrying her they all said I think it would be great she's a wonderful woman I think it would be a terrible thing if you didn't um, learn more about what it means to have a blended family Mm. so like kids and the fact that she had children I had a son and we were coming together. That was our biggest barrier. And and still, as we struggle through marriage, we have our stuff on our own. But the biggest things have been dealing with the other stuff. Mm. You know, you have ex-spouses. You have kids and all this stuff that you're trying to bring together. It's difficult. And you don't hear too much about it. I mean, I can't even recall sermons that we've heard Mm-mm. on that. And it's more relevant and you're seeing more and more of it. That has been, I think, one of our biggest barriers. Mm-hmm. How do you, how did you, I'm trying to put it in the past tense, but I know that that's not legit. Uh, that's not accurate. How are you overcoming that? Or how do you guys, maybe either generally speaking or with that one in particular, bridge the barrier of we're at odds? Mm-hmm. Or we're working through, and maybe it's not even at odds, we're struggling with the kids or something. Like, how, how do you guys get to unity, bridge the, the divide? I think forgiveness for sure, because when you're struggling through things, you say things, you do things that hurt the other person, and there can be a lot of tension. And then, yeah, so I think just forgiveness. Mm. Because you always have to remember how much Jesus has forgiven, you know, you, me. Mm. And I have to extend forgiveness to Jason. He has to extend it to me all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Mm. So that's one way. Yeah. I just picture the cross like there's this, you know, barrier, but I picture the cross in front of the barrier. Yeah. Which makes it no longer one. Mm -hmm. And what she's describing, the other piece of that is having someone there to remind you of that. Mm. So now we're growing in our walk. We we can kind of point to those things. But early on, we needed someone to remind us of what she just said. So we had mentors that helped us see those things. Mm. So would you like take a problem to them and be like, she's crazy or he's crazy and then they tell you that or how would that look yeah 
and now now we'll meet with them and they'll tell us there were times we were just making up stuff because we didn't know what to say to you guys (laughs) i mean she's crying i don't want to talk i don't want to pray the last thing you want to do is pray with your spouse when you're in that oh yeah and there were times where you know our mentors will say to us we didn't know what to do (laughs) so we just said hey look at each other take each other's hands pray (laughs) it wasn't that julie that was a lot of times that what it was i think you have to be willing to receive uh wisdom from others too so you know that's one of the biggest things I think with married couples is they don't have a mentor. Maybe they don't have a marriage mentor or a person to go to, but if they do, a lot of times they don't want to listen to them. They don't want to receive their wisdom. They'll meet with them once or twice and then it's too hard. Mm. It's hard work. It's work. You got to, it's like a bank. You got to make deposits because you make lots of withdrawals. Which is when you have wrecked and ru- gone through bankruptcy, almost lost your kids, all when you've gone through all that, it's very easy to now listen to people mm. because you've made a mess of your life. Mm-hmm. So you were I, just referring to real things too. We haven't even dove, yeah. dive, dived into that. <laughs> I mean, I think that's where God positioned us to be able to, to, to listen mm-hmm. to people because we did mm. make a mess of things, you know, and God has been so gracious Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. For people listening, you know, if you want to, uh, reach out to Jason and Julie, let me know if you're like, I just want to talk to these people. I want some mentors. That's awesome. Uh, I will ask them. You can reach out to me at uh, podcast at com, and I can ask, I can pass it along to Jason and Julie. But for those of you who are single and listening and maybe you're tuning out for half a second or you've already turned it off, I hope not. Uh, <laughs> but those words that you were just saying, Julie, about forgiveness, those words you're just saying about reaching out to mentors, guys, we need to do a better job as the church, including being the family God promised people in Mark 10, if they give up houses or whatever for, for Jesus, he will, he promised us the family and we need to be that family so I just think about single people in my life that forgiveness you're talking about it's so easy to be like oh well I'm not married to them and oh whatever they're just friends to reconcile with people to have these hard conversations to work on things as much as it depends on you so single people I'm looking at you too because I'm yeah can't stop won't stop you're mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. We, we need to like this is such a beautiful picture of this covenant you guys are in we're not in a marriage covenant with single people, but we're in a family covenant uh, as the body of Christ. Jason, you said that God has gifted you based in part because of what you've gone through, the, the mess that you made of your life, to, to be able to just listen and to receive from people, to, to, to meet people where they're at. Um, have you, how have you seen that, like, especially interacting with your place of work, working in the jails, working with people who are in a place where maybe they never thought they would end up. Yeah. How have I seen that? Like the life experience? I guess just the, the, the gift of being able to receive people. Like has that been kind of the stance you take when working with people in the jail? Just like I'm going to go meet them where they're at. Yeah. Or, or do you have, you know, a set plan that you tend to try and go, go with people through or, or anything? Like what, what is your... What is your stance when you're meeting with someone for the yeah. first time when you're walking into a... a yeah, so I've been the head chaplain at the Kent County Jail here in Grand Rapids for about two and a half years. And when I first took that role, they told me this will change you. And that is what took place, what you're actually saying right now. The ability to now see that the ground is level at the cross. The great thing about the jail is when people come in, they're all wearing the same clothing, the same gear. Um, everyone is now leveled. Um, they all know that they're facing difficulty, right? Um, outside of the jail, things aren't so leveled. There's status. So you work here. You work there. You did the, there's all, It isn't level, and you can't really see your filthiness. Hmm. But in a jail setting... We all see it because we're all dressed alike and we're obviously here. There's different situations that seem greater than others, but yet it's still the same as Julie was saying that we're deserving of hell, but yet Jesus now, because of what he's done for us, we're ushered into this wonderful life in him. 
Mm. And so meeting people right there, um, meeting people right there in their brokenness, right where I was at. I picture when I was knocking on the door at that neighbor's house in my mess, Mm. that's where I'm meeting them at. Mm. And so it's just a leveling and a constant reminder of just the grace of just everyday life. I tell people we need to hear the gospel every day. Have you heard it yet? <laughs> Have you heard it? It will change your day. Just hearing the gospel and be reminded of what you've been forgiving of should produce a joy. Mm. And one thing I was going to say, and I'm sorry, I get to rambling. I know, but it's preaching. That's why. That's why I don't look up people's offenses. People ask me, well, do you look up what they do before you go see them? And no, I don't. Mm. I don't do that. If I do that, then right away, there's a bunch of baggage that comes with that. I know that I'm going to see someone that is made in the image of God. And I know that they need Jesus. That's a fact. And so let's go see what Jesus has for the both of us today. Mm. Okay, guys, listening and Lori (laughs) listening. This is so good for my soul right now. Bridging divides. What I'm hearing you say, Jason, is you're not pretend aware of your need for Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, yeah, I just like I need Jesus, but also a Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> no, no, it's I need I desperately need Jesus. Yes. And that is if you have done not, you know, been on the edge of suicide and made a lot of bad choices in your life, but you've made, quote unquote, good, bad choices in your life all fall short all are loved Mm -hmm. so i hear you going i know who i am i know my brokenness yet i also know my belovedness and then i am not going to hold up i love that because we do that in their culture we hold people's offenses like transparency paper over them like oh but you're this person you're a democrat Mm -hmm. you're a republican you're this as opposed to you're an image bearer i know i'm an image bearer and i'm just gonna love you there's the bridge right. cross. Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. One area that has gotten so sticky in in the world. So there's this racial equity pursuit that is so necessary, but it's gotten sticky because it's gotten politicized and twisted and contorted and Satan just loves to twist anything that's heavenly minded. You guys, Jason, you're black. Julie, you're white. You guys have a microcosm of unity and yet having to wrestle through some things. Like, how has that been either a barrier or like, how does that affect your marriage? Um, Mm. Julie, I know you've been processing some things. Yeah. Uh, When we first got married, I really had no idea the depth of racism around us. And I would kind of, you know... Well, let me just give you a story. So we're driving to Florida for our first little family vacation after we got married, all the kids in the car and stuff, and they were teenagers. But anyways, um, he did not want to go. He did not want to drive through those southern states. He was terrified. Mm. And I could not figure out why. I was like, you're kidding me. We can't stop and get gas in Kentucky? Why? I'm not. There are too many trucks out in the parking lot. He would scope it out, and (laughs) I could not. I did not get it. And by the second or third gas station, I started to get it. What what were you seeing? I was seeing people stare. I was seeing people acting just different, especially staring at me and giving me dirty looks, looking at him. It was just very. You could feel it. It was a tangible weirdness so that was like my first experience of you know our racial differences but um what was your question well (laughs) i i know you've said like you go in stores still yeah and it's yep you get certain areas of the state of michigan mostly northern parts of the state uh will be walking through the downtown shopping and He'll literally be the only person of color that we'll see that day, and people will stare at us, mm. and it's very evident that we're not welcome. Mm. But hold up. For a long time- I did not she, believe it. She, for a long time, she never noticed no. that I was the only black person. Oh, okay. She wasn't aware of that. Like It never dawned on her. But it's always in it's your It's always head. in my mind. What are, the, what are the sentences in your head? Like, I, are you, is it like scared well, sentences? Well, my new sentence okay. is, I belong here. What up? So I can go up to Traverse City. I can have a good old time. But <laughs> usually it's just, yeah, 
it's I guess to be vulnerable it would be art do you like me Aww. that's the first thing well like I try to explain to people I, I'm outgoing I, I can usually strike up conversations quickly like when Julie meets someone it's just always her personality you know get that my first thing is first do you accept me for what I look like and then there's the next level so I would love it if there wasn't that first level and it could be more you know equal I guess I think what's been helpful I hope yeah what I'm learning is to not poo-poo his you know, give him a safe place to express himself to me that, you know, I'm, this is kind of scary for me, or I'm afraid of this or that. And I'm, I'm overly sensitive to that now, you know, what do you say? So you, do you ask him a question? And then he said, I just listen, you just listen. So I listen. He'll, speak up. he'll start to tell me stories about his childhood. He'll tell oh. me stories where he was hurt because of his being black and things that people have said to him. And, and then you know, even now, I don't, you know, he'll say, I don't really want to go there because I don't feel comfortable. Okay. Um, you just listen. You don't push him. No. I think that's helped. Well, early on, though, you early really on. didn't understand it and didn't get it. So, so you came to this kind of recognition, however many truck stops down into the, you know, going to Florida, this recognition of, of kind of the privilege that as, as a white person yes. that you, you just were unaware of, of some of the discrepancies. And, and that's something that I, I know for me personally, um, just in the current kind of stuff that's been going on, like I've, I've kind of had to do some soul searching and see places of, of my own privilege. And, and one of the things, honestly, that helped me a lot was realizing places where I feel like I innately have to prove myself. And the only spot that as a white male I could think of were the rare occasions where I am taking my daughters to the bathroom in a public space. If I'm taking my kids like at a Barnes and Noble into the restroom, it's like I have this innate thing. I need to prove that I am the father and that I am not about to hurt these kids. And that is exhausting for five minutes. I can't imagine how exhausting that would be if I couldn't control, couldn't just say, well, we'll hold it till the bath, you know, go in the bathroom until we get home. If that was the waking, like, mindset that I just had to go about my daily life with, you know, and, and so I guess as you've, Julie, as you've kind of become more awoken to, to some of the the negatives that, that Jason has had to walk through and, and then maybe probably seeing how it's affected your family just in that relationship, mm-hmm. um, you, you listen if you're to give kind of a, a postscript version, I guess, like what are some people that people who aren't married to someone of a different race can do to, to better understand like, like mm-hmm. the, just the difference that they maybe they've never been confronted with. And same question for Jason after, cause I want to hear that too. I think listening is a big thing. I think, um, not to, uh, say, oh, that's that was, you know, 20 years, 30 years. Things are different now. That kind of attitude is really hurtful. And I guess just to acknowledge that it's, it is a real thing and it really does exist. And I think more and more people are now mm-hmm. with everything that's going on. What about you, Jason? What can we do? to help eliminate that question that you're asking whenever you meet people, am I okay? Am I accepted based on what you see? I think, I think maybe learning to reassure people. I'm not sure how exactly you would do that, but I think there's some subtle ways in which you might be able to reassure people that, um, they may be uncomfortable. So like Julie was saying, she was kind of ignorant to all that or just unaware of it. For white people to be aware that that could be a thing and to be intentional about making people feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Would there be, okay, well, here's a question. So in our small group, you know, when a lot of the racial tension was surfacing we spent time as a small group repenting and i mean we got 
a Mexican guy and got a black guy. The rest of us are white. Yeah. And uh, so we just repented like on behalf of um, our own white privilege and on behalf of like our country. And that was not like a contrived thing at all. I really was like, oh, my word, like what Matt was saying, what you're saying, Julie, like I just didn't realize how much I can walk into a space and I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Like, was that helpful? Like just to even as a collective small group to repent um, of our, like the sin of just, I don't even, I like, mean, I think I would ask you that quite, was it helpful for, for you? I mean, it helped me to feel like before God, like just, it was, it's like those sins you don't realize you're doing. What's that called? Of omission. Like, just like of just, and it may, I don't even know, like, is it even, I guess it's sin for some people. It's like overt, but for us, it's more passive unawareness of, of your plight Mm -hmm. which is such garbage it shouldn't be plight like god made you black on purpose and so i think it was helpful for me to just be aware but i didn't know if it did anything like was that a a subtle way that we as the church can bridge that divide it's just collective i I think so i think just acknowledging it not ignoring it i mean i'm come out of a church that race has been a conversation where a lot of white people have have been in conversations that most white people wouldn't be because there have been people in the room that didn't look like them and we were having just a real conversation most people throughout their life won't have conversations like that Mm. and to create safe places to ask questions you know yep so i'm we're not done with this uh, racial conversation. We're not done with, you know, bridging divide conversation. I have some people that we're going to be interviewing to talk even more deeply about that. But I, I hope for those of you listening, this, this is real life. These are our real friends. <laughs> like this is real life, Jason and real life, Julie. And they're talking about their real marriage and in these ways that we can bridge divides. Matt, what, what did you want to throw in? Well, I mean, we, we asked you guys before, what were some of the barriers just for your marriage? And you, and you talked about overcoming kind of the blended family, overcoming some of the, just the mashing people together that are, you know, not necessarily going to ever meet otherwise. You know, and so we, we, we asked about the, the issues. What has been the beauty that you've seen in, in both the process and in the outcome mm-hmm. of having done that? Right away, I think of uh, what our daughter said to me before we got married that day. Well, actually, it was the day of our wedding. She said, we're finally going to be a real family. So the, the, just the, the longing that she had, and probably the other two kids did too, but they didn't verbalize it, just to be a so-called real family, family unit a safe it felt safe to them so watching them grow in that and see us work through difficulty has been beautiful yeah yeah i would i would agree i would second that and god is the only one who can take struggle can take mess can take things that feel inseparable Mm. i will never forget in our marriage sitting across the kitchen table from Matt and being like, this is unrepairable. Like, and not like a, like a Disney movie. Here's the plot twist. It's like, this is impossible. And God made makes impossible things possible. So Jason, Julie, anything else that you want to throw out to our dear listeners as far as, um, I don't know, just any last words as far as the gift of bridging divides. Uh, the word that just came to my mind was redemption. And when those divides can be bridged, it's, it's just got the, the power of the gospel is just so redemptive, redeeming, buying back what was lost, what was broken. Um, I don't know. I just redemption. Yeah. 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 I would, I would second that too. (laughs) I would, that you said that well, I mean, for our situations, our mess is, is what I believe the Spirit of God is looking to hover over. Mm. You know, he's, he's looking to move into those scenarios. 
and um, it's just a perfect recipe for God to do something beautiful and then for us to be able to glorify him in that, to say apart from him, that it would would be, (laughs) I mean, that's, that's our way out and everything is, is him. It's all because of him. Mm. It's because he grabbed us. He took a hold of us, loved us, showed us that we were still worth something when we, when we still smelled like cigarette smoke and the alcohol from the night before that we were beautiful, that we were worth dying for. And I have something great for you. And I'm going to use your story. I'm going to use all your stuff. That's what I love. All the junk, all the, all that. I'm going to use it. And it's going to create just a sweet aroma. Mm. And that's what he shows us time and time again. Mm. So we keep telling Jason to start a church. Yeah, so <laughs> just go ahead. We're going to all come. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the whole of my heart church. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but guys, we are so thank you so much for taking time out of your life and day to share it with us and with our listeners today. Thank you for having thank us. You for so having honored. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Love great. it. Oh, man. And guys, if you want to communicate with these dear friends who love doing that, mentoring, et cetera, just reach out to us, podcast at lauricreek.com. If you want to meet them, I think you guys are coming to our workshop. Uh, they said they were, but we have a workshop coming. <laughs> this is getting awkward. In October, uh, October 24 here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, it's going to be virtual and Lord willing, in person. Stay back, Rona. Just go away. We don't want you anymore. Um, but they're going to be there. You can meet them and just uh, start a conversation. You can go to impossiblemarriage.com. It's 28 bucks in person or online. And you get a bunch of stuff we send you until October 1. Then it goes up $10. We do have a question of the week for next week. And I'm actually going to ask you all listeners, Lord willing, what is a boring fact about you? That's right. That's the question of the week for next week. You know, there's things you're like, this is my thing. And I just keep this in my head. Take it out of your head and type it. We want to hear it. And we'll ask you. For example, here's mine. You know, those like when you get a new soap pump dispenser, when you have to like turn it to like get it to pop up and then you can dispense. I literally cannot for the life of me open them. Me either. <gasps> Julie say, oh, I'm, I feel better. So that's a boring fact about me. I that cannot open funny. the stupid popping soap dispensers. I just okay. leave them there until Matt gets mm-hmm. home and my hands are dirty. Okay. If you want to answer, follow me on the old Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Lori Krieg. Thanks again to Jason and Julie. And for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you with our hands clean and fresh, hopefully next week. 